Welcome back, everyone. It has been a long while. Enjoy the 4th of July weekend. Once again, every first day of the month, I'm going to be going over the data of what is actually happening with the Bay Area real estate market. We're going to talk about all the headline articles that have occurred over the last month. And of course, if you want me to talk about any topics, I'm happy to potentially create a video or go over it via my live stream. And because this is a live stream, if you have any questions or any comments, drop in the comments. Leave a comment on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on one of these important updates because I'm going to be going through the actual numbers. That way, without all the noise out there, you will understand what is happening and why. So let's talk about the data. Here is the data for Santa Clara County for residential homes, single family condos and townhomes. You can see June was another big month. And I mentioned this before. I told everybody June is going to be a record breaker for the year. Why is that? I knew exactly what was closing in May and where those numbers were relative to the previous times. And so June was all closings of May. Now, what do I think moving forward of July? I don't think I think this will probably be flat, if not a slight decline. There is a lot less um, homes that are coming on the market right now. There's a lot less buyers right? Because a lot of buyers are traveling. There's so many people traveling. If you're traveling, raise your hand. I'm traveling. Are you traveling? Are you going anywhere? There's so many people that are traveling all over, like every, so much activity all over. But to give you an idea, price-wise, we have continued to rise. Now, the question you may have next is, wait a second. I thought interest rates were so high. Nobody wants to buy all this kind of headline clickbait news. The transaction volume is down significantly. But the prices still remain strong. And I'll go over the breakdown as to why this is the case. But let's do a quick comparison. How did these numbers stack to previously? So the previous peak was in 2022. So let's compare. So we're already done with June. January 2022 to June 2023. Here was the previous peak at 1.61 million in April 2022. May was fairly similar. But you can see the numbers now, 1.56. We are 3% off the top. And this is what happens. Initially, when interest rates increase and continue to increase, they kept increasing up until about the November timeframe. And then once the November timeframe had, um, once it hit the peak, because that's when interest rates hit the peak, the rates have been actually pretty stable for seven, eight months. Now, when it comes time for people to make a decision again, the good news is they realize, look, it's not getting a lot worse. It's not getting any better. It is what it is. Now, do we want a bigger home? Do we want a better location? Are we moving back for work? Does it make sense to keep paying money for rent? The general rule of thumb is this. If you are planning to live in the area for two years, plus you should be buying. It's really that simple. Because think about how much money that is being spent on rents. And think about over a long period of time, what happens with home prices, especially because we have so little homes to buy and so little no construction. Now, the other thing to be mindful of is when you have higher rates, the difference too of this time around is a lot of homeowners don't want to give up that home. If they have the money, they may just buy another home and keep it as a rental, which many are doing that. Alternatively, they may just uh, suffer longer with the current space that they have right a lot of people still need more space they want to they still want to move for their own reason so these are all things that um people just kind of hold on to so you can see prices have actually done very well the measurement and the key is the transaction volume is down by a lot so let's take a look and show you that right 
number of new listings. So let's start off with how many homes are being for sale. The number of new listings is this. I mean, take a look at these numbers. Let's go like kind of uh, year over year. So you can do the comparison. I can do that with you. I'll get a plus dot calculator too. So if you look at like June, June, I'd 25% less. So the good news is that June actually was pretty good. Let's look at May. May had 30% less. Let's look at April. April is just dismal, right? April had 38% less. Now, a couple of things. Why did these numbers start creeping up and get a little bit better? Keep in mind, it's still a lot lower than last year. But why did they start creeping up? It's because also now home sellers, before it was bad, right? Because prices were down. And because prices were down, homeowners were like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I'm now selling at a, a loss mentally. And uh, I'm going to give up my rate. But now the loss isn't that much, If they even if they bought at the peak, the true peak of things. And so that you have a few more sellers that are putting on the market. The downside is, as you can see, uh, it is a, quite a bit less than what we had the previous year. And if you compare that to the, the year before, let's take a look at the numbers. 2021 had even more. So these are way down relative to what happened in 2021, which was a crazy hot uh, market. So it's the reality, right? Now let's take a look at the number of sales though. And this is why when you see all the commode, all the news, like layoffs from um, from the big companies, uh, not big companies, like banks, uh, title companies, uh, real estate related companies, the transaction volume is also down quite a bit. I mean, think about this. If you compare it to last year, it's still down 25%, 30%. And fortunately it's improved in the last two months. The previous months has been really dismal. But if you compare it to like even the, the two years prior, the, the numbers are even further apart, right? So this is this is what happens when you have a higher rate environment. And this is not going to change anytime soon. Powell and the Fed are like, we want to get to 2% inflation. Well, you're not going to get 2% inflation for a long, long time. Now, you may not have as many rate hikes, but you might, you'll be kind of in this level for a while. So for everyone that's considering to buy, think about that, right? If it is what it is, it's not going to change. It's not going to get a lot better. But it doesn't mean you can't buy anything. Just run the numbers. What's your comfort level? How much can you spend monthly on owning a property? It's not the same as renting a property. How much does it take to own a property? And then do the math and then make a decision from there of like, okay, is it the right time to buy now? And generally, the key is not timing the market. The key is more of how long do you plan to be here and what's your alternative? Right. That's fundamentally how it is. So hopefully this is helpful. Uh, let's take a look at some of the other data so you can see for yourself how other counties are doing. So you saw Santa Clara County still doing very strong. Let's take a look at San Mateo County. Uh, sorry, that number sales. So you can look at San Mateo County. Still very strong, right? Continues to increase, continues to do well. June was a very big month for, for San Mateo County. Let's look at Alameda County. And this is a mix of single family condos and townhomes. Alameda County, a little bit different. They had a very strong May, but a little bit lower in June, but still higher than it was in April. 
So that's interesting for you guys to see. Let's take a look at some places that are a little bit further out, like Contra Costa County. What's going on out there? Contra Costa County, still June is doing well. So it's kind of interesting, right? On one end, you have the return to work, but it doesn't matter. Like people still want the ability to have flexibility. They may be able to suck it up uh, for that remote work uh, or for the days that they don't have to go into the work. So it's not like Contra Costa County is not doing uh, well. But the difference is, take a look at San Francisco. This is a really interesting one, right? I'm going to break it down for San Francisco a little bit more because the single family market is very different than the condo market. Because if you look at the blended average, it hasn't been changing a whole lot. Now, let's take a look, though. When I look at this, my, my, my next logical question is to dive a little bit deeper. So let's look at single family in San Francisco. Let's see if it has been the same way. Kind of the same way. Now, let's compare this to the last three years. So San Francisco, single family, not that impressive, right? You can see the peak was back also in April. Same with everyone else for 2 million in 2022, April 2022, and never really recovered. Every other, every other place, as you can see, have pretty much recovered. So let's look at one last measurement. Let's look at your the condo market in San Francisco. So the condo market is where it's like a lot more... Um, it's flatter, but same idea. Look, April 2022 is the peak of 13825. It's at 115, not really recovering. So there's two ways to look at it. One option is maybe this is an opportunity to buy things at a discount, which it is at a discount. Everywhere else has increased. Or uh, it's just not getting better. I mean, we see a lot of the commercial issues that are happening around downtown. So... It's kind of a tale of two cities, even within the city of San Francisco itself. So hopefully this is helpful to give you an idea of what is actually happening. Things are still moving very quickly. So to give you an idea for, let's say, days to sell. Days to sell is pretty quick. So the average days to sell, as you can see, it's been pretty the same. Days to sell usually about eight days. Um this is a kind of a, an average or medium and most homes will start within a week. So most is within a weekend, unless it's like priced a little bit higher or it's priced like at the number where it should be. But most are selling, as you can see, very, very quickly. And this is not changing anytime soon. Well, hopefully that helps you understand the data. Of course, you have any comments or you want to go over your specific game plan. I'm happy to share the stats, but also see what are the best cities and best areas that are available for you. Now, let's talk about the headline articles of the week. Because I always want to comment on these different things. First, Bay Area Real Estate Valley is fastest dropping in the nation, report says. And then when I look at this, I want to look at, okay, when are these reports? And when is the data that they're looking at? So take a look at this. This study compared medium home prices for single-family homes between the fourth quarter of 2021 and the fourth quarter of 2022. You see why this report is such garbage and why so such clickbait? This is posted in June 8, 2023. Yet it's reporting on data, seriously, from the fourth quarter? That's six months after already. So if anyone was reading this, they have very two different things. Just backtrack five minutes from this recording, and you can see for yourself where Bay Area Real Estate is. And this is why it's so important to when you see these articles, look, just read quickly into it. Like you see the headline, oh man, the world's ending, Bay Area is crashing, all this garbage. And then you see what I just shared, which is the actual data. And then you compare exactly when they try to do the comparison. 
fourth quarter of 2021 and fourth quarter of 2022? Seriously? This is the data that they choose to use? They can't pick anything faster? Hey, look, if you're a reporter of any of these places, just send me a note. I can give you the data, and that way you can make better articles. And you can make you can probably say home prices increased by 15% in the last three months. Bay Area market is on fire again, right? So this is why I want to point these out because it's so important to really see exactly what exactly are they even comparing to? Because this is like such a such a laggard. So that's on that. That's my comment on that. Now let's take a look at this. VTA created affordable housing project in San Jose. They announced Friday a landmark deal to create an affordable housing project near public transit in San Jose. Let's take a watch of this. Let's move on now. We know this. The Bay Area is facing a severe shortage of housing, but a new report from Zillow shows just how bad it is. According to the study, San Francisco is facing a deficit of about 162,000 homes. The city's shortage, one of the highest in the country. San Jose is short of about 61,000 homes. Zillow says the housing deficit is hard to calculate, but in large part, researchers arrived at these numbers here by comparing new housing permits against the number of new jobs created. Uh, getting more housing built is a challenge, but today, a victory. The VTA announced a monumental deal to create 100% affordable housing near the Berryessa Transit Center in San Jose. VTA will lease the land to affirmed housing groups who will build this project. This is hopefully gonna serve as a catalyst for other developments around our site. Um, the remaining three or four acres that the VCA has here um, to build not only affordable housing, but market rate housing, commercial, um, and retail. Pretty interesting here. Joining us now is Ron Golem, VTA's real estate director. Ron, uh, thanks for being with us tonight. First of all, um, I really didn't know VTA had land to lease. How did this happen? Sure. Well, I think, Raj, as many folks know, VTA has the light rail system and a large number of parking lots, and a lot of those parking lots are actually a lot bigger than they need to be. And so we have land from those light rail parking lots where we can build housing and other uses without taking away from transit parking. Also, with the BART Phase Two extension, we need land for construction of the stations. But once we're done, we'll have land left over that we can also do transit development around the BART extension. Okay, so Ron, what's the timeline here? When will we see this housing be move-in ready? And I guess the, the bigger question, who's eligible to buy or rent these units? Sure. Well, uh, the timeline for this, and this is really exciting for us because this is the result of some of the new state legislation that's come through, is this housing will open in 2026. That's three years from now. That's more than twice as fast as this used to take. Um, as far as the housing, it is 100% affordable housing. So it's for households that are at 60% of area median income or less. And so there'll be the developer will have a list and people will be able to apply. We expect because of the need for affordable housing, there'll be a, a waiting list and a lottery to select the actual residents. Okay, Rod, not very good at math. Can you do some math for me? What do I need to make? What's the threshold there? Uh, if I make, what, $100,000 or less, I'm eligible? Uh, let, let me say it this way. If your household income, and this is the state just came out these numbers, um, at the top end of the range, if you're a household of four people and you make $137,000 a year, you're eligible for low-income housing. Now, a lot of these units are more deeply affordable, but even if you're a four-person household, the very low income level down for a four-person household in Santa Clara County is $89,000 a year. Wow. And so if I'm in that price range of household income, I just go online, apply, and then I, I find out how does it work? 
that that's exactly it. That's a process the developer will manage, and they have to follow the rules about this kind of housing, about making sure that it's an open process and that there's a, a fair selection of the residents. And just to be clear, this is 100% affordable. 100% affordable. And not only is it 100% affordable for low income, very low and certainly low income, the other thing that we're excited about is because of our partnership with Santa Clara County and use of county measure eight affordable housing funds, this will actually have up to 46 units for unhoused individuals. These are the permanent supportive housing units that help folks that have experienced homelessness get into housing and get the services to help them remain housed. I like to finally get answers to these questions that we've been asking for years now. Final question for you. Uh, this is one of four housing projects. Where are the other locations? Really quick. So real quickly, the other locations are going to be at the Capitol Light Rail Station, um, at the Branham Light Rail Station, and at the Winchester Light Rail Station in Campbell. Okay, Ron Gold from VTA. Thanks for your time tonight. Okay, what do you guys think about that? Was that interesting or not? So um, at the end of the day, we all know there's always been a complaint and there's always a need for new housing. And there's not, the issue is fundamentally, it's not a zoning thing. I mean, zoning is part of it, but it's more of like, where are these land and where are these options? The biggest thing is a lot of it has to do with who has the land that's willing to sell for a right price for a developer to do these things. Now, this is a really interesting one because this developer, think about this. Think about the cost. Let's say you were a builder, right? Let's say you're a builder and I gave you $100 million. Say, make it work. Make it work in the Bay Area. $100 million check. Make it work. The issue is where are you going to get that land and who's going to sell it to you? That's your first challenge. Every owner knows the value of the land. When you created more dense and more zoning, your land just got a whole lot more expensive. So unless there's a pressing need, remember the cost of capital of that is usually pretty low. Because of that, then they'll just sit on it. The longer it is, technically, the more expensive it will be, right? So there needs to be some sort of incentive for them to try to get them to move. But the other option was this, this option, which is with this lease with the government. This is a very unique situation. Think about it. There's not too many of that, but there's only so much space that can this can be. So the thing that has been going on is all around all the transit stops, the zoning and the density from each city continues to be improved. Think about, as you saw, Berryessa, think about Milpitas, think about all along the Caltrain lines in the peninsula, right? So these are all things that are changing and that are improving about density, about uh, maybe there'll do some subsidies, maybe the requirements of this affordable housing. But think about this. The affordable housing is just part of the component, right? If they're selling this for much less, I mean, think about it. If your income is 100000 for a family of four, your probably limit of buying a place is maybe a three fifty, three hundred fifty thousand. dollars So they're selling these kind of places for three fifty thousand. dollars Now, if it wasn't that kind of subsidy and they were selling for the open market, in that area, maybe $900, $900 million, something like that. So, so a builder is, quite frankly doesn't make any sense to do these affordable housing just to do it. That, that makes no sense. But if they're not having to pay for the land, well, now that the game is different. Now it's a lease. And probably there's no pay, there's no even cost for the land. It's just a cost of construction. So now the math actually may work and does work potentially uh, for this. Now, so this is a really interesting plan. And VTA will have a few options. It's not... I mean, the government does own a lot of chunks, and especially if they're removing parking lot space, there's a lot more space that can be added. 
think about this one. This is not a VTA one, but think about think about that Great America area, right? Think about Great America. What was Lee? What was there at Levi Stadium? If you knew, what was there before? What was there before? It was parking spots. Parking spaces were there. It was actually just parking spots, all open parking spots. And even today, now obviously when it comes to game time, it's packed. But even today, if it didn't have that, and they're going to tear down Great America, right? That could be a lot of development that can occur. There's a lot of space for development. There's acres of space there. So uh, there are some of these, but as you can see, you have to be creative. You got, and these are long projects, right? You got if you got to tear something down, you got to do some soil checks and all these other things. These are very, very long-term projects, but that is how these can be done. So anything that can be done to accelerate these things is going to be a benefit. Now, it's also a very different matter. What do you think of property price in that area? What's kind of fascinating is this. Think about the rentals in that space. There are many rentals because a lot of, there's a lot of new construction in that area, right? So there's a lot of new construction in that area. And so because of the new construction, uh, there's a lot of new construction. Those rentals are new construction. So those rents are actually lots of money out there, right? So it's a lot to get rentals out there. So I think I don't think it will impact homes too much because there's not that many homes there anyways. There's no, like, if you're looking about Berryessa, think about Berryessa around there. And that Berryessa BART station. Most of it is uh, apartments. There's a lot of apartments out there. And it keep, they're building more apartments, by the way. But there's very few for sale, per se. And so very fascinating, right? Like, I think it may impact that market uh, because the surroundings, all these high-end rentals. So maybe that is what gets that gets lowered. I'm not sure. We'll see what happens. Either way, it doesn't really matter. It's going to take you three years to get this even potentially up and running. And if they say 2026, it's probably 2027. So you don't have to really, like, hold your breath on this one. It'll be a while. But it's still very interesting. I, I like the changes. I like these kind of developments, these kind of joint ventures, right? The, the interesting thing, though, to be fair, this is a long, it's probably a long-term lease. That's what they say is a lease. I don't know how long it is. That's a question. So the difference then, too, as a homeowner is you don't own it like every other land that everyone else has. So... But then again, you're buying it at $350,000 at this uh, below market rate kind of option. So it'll be interesting to see like how this continues to progress. And as you can see, there's at least four more sites that have been identified that they'll probably start doing some things on. But um, but at least this is a model that works for builders and developers who'd be like, look, I'm not only having to worry about the cost of construction because I'm getting it, quote unquote, free from the VTA. I don't, but the VTA still got to make money on that somehow. So maybe the city is the one that pays for it. There's a lot of question marks that are, that needs to be investigated of how these are structured. But either way, let's resume. We got uh, two more to go over. Google gets the go ahead to build a 153 acre Bay Area neighborhood by headquarters. Mountain View just approved its biggest development ever and is for the exactly the company you'd expect. Bay Area tech giant Google. Got the go-ahead to build this massive project. Plans for the 30-year project will supplant the Google offices in that current area. Include over 3 million square foot of office space and 7,000 residential units. This is called the Google North Bay Shore Master Plan. Very interesting. So this is closer to the waters, as you can see. There's a, there's a certain uh, amount of area there that hasn't been developed. 
and now this is approved. Kind of fascinating, right? On, we all heard that they stopped the development of San Jose, yet they got the approval for next to the home base in Mountain View. So the question is, will this be a stop too? Or will they give up the downtown San Jose project and only do the one in Mountain View, which is way closer to the hub? Now, Google is obviously facing certain own internal challenges, but this is quite interesting. This is certainly in very interesting to see how this will ultimately play out. So, but either way, the fact that they still have went through the process of doing this shows like their plans. Uh, I'm not sure this because this was in motion for a long time. Like it was submitted when things were hot back in 2021. So we'll see what happens with this. But either way, maybe the land could just be rezoned and just, they can at least still build these units because there is no housing on that side of Mountain View. So this will be incredible to see if they can if they can accomplish this. Either way, hopefully not even Google gets involved. Just other big developers can do this. Um, think about like what has been going on Communications Hills, right? You can have big developers that can still do this project. So still doable. Hopefully it just allows it for everyone else. Last but not least, let's talk about San Francisco. We talked about the downside of what happened with San Francisco. All the news, you're always going to hear these negative news. But the big positive news is this. In just three months, San Francisco's $1.7 billion in AI funding sparked return of tech workers to the Bay Area. Do you see this yourself? The AI boom has created a lot of jobs, a lot of money being raised. Right? If you're if you're an AI company, you have no issues getting money, you have no issues raising capital, and you need to hire a lot of people. And so, if you were a company that raised all this money now, and you need to do, you need to grow, and you need to go quickly, quickly, right? Because AI is just it's just affecting a lot of things. It's also affecting other AI companies. Then where do you where do you go for talent that's hungry to work? And the answer in the Bay Area is still generally San Francisco. So that's why a lot of startups are back there. A lot of tech companies are back there. We're seeing a lot more a livelihood coming back up. Now, people may not choose to live in San Francisco. That's a different matter, right? But they may still have their companies there. Now, this will help slightly with the commercial real estate turmoil there. But um, but. It's still better than what it was uh, six months ago. So it'll be interesting to see this. I I mean, I, I want the energy to be back in the city. There's just so much good things that can happen there. So hopefully they continue to raise more capital, continue to do very well, continue to hire a lot of good talent, and San Francisco can slowly get on the reverse end. But the city, the politicians, got to continue to support and get their act together to make this work. Well, thanks, for, thanks again for tuning in to this live stream. Every first day of the month, I go over the data because all the data of the previous month is now available one day after, which is as real time as you are going to get from your own research. Now, my name is Spencer Sue. Thank you for tuning in. If you like this, like the video, subscribe to the channel, and make sure to follow me. And if you want to go over a game plan, my contact details are below. Let's just set up a strategy call, and we can go over the best options that are suitable for you. Enjoy the 4th of July. Have a good one. I know.